Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, man. Good. Hey, everybody. Um, hey, this is Ty. Oh, this is Rocky. Hey, and welcome back to Complete Sentences Podcast. Mm-hmm. 39. We're doing the name thing now. Yeah, we are. We learned our lesson after last time. We're trying to be formal. I think we're not very good at that, at introducing ourselves and telling people what, they listen to, what they're listening to. Although they should already know. Well, they did click on the... They clicked it. They probably went through the, the trouble of hopefully subscribing... Mm-hmm. And I hope yeah. that they subscribe to iTunes. Hopefully. And then they were scrolling through all the hundreds of millions of podcasts that they already have on their iPod, mm-hmm. and then they picked ours. They just chose ours, right? And our names are in the title, too, so... It's in the title, yeah. yeah. You should already know what you're getting yourself into here. But we like to make people feel like like we're one with the people. That's know? right. Normal people introduce themselves, so we're like... We like to, you know... Like to get down their level. Exactly. That's what I'm talking Appeal about. Appeal to the masses, really. So, okay. try to make them think that we're not as important as we are. Right, right. So, so uh, here we are, 39. It's been a uh, turbulent night, right? Oh, it has, yeah. Um, we were right in the middle of Tornado Alley. That's right. We're up here in St. Louis, and uh, it got pretty sketchy here mm-hmm. the last couple hours. There's some tornado sirens going off, some warnings, which I finally figured out a way to 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 know which is more serious. Which is, warning has more letters than watch. Really? So when there's tornado warning, that means that there's spotted tornadoes that are on the ground. That makes sense to me. And watch just means it's like the conditions are are ripe for a tornado. That makes sense to me, because the whole, like, most of the time they're, they're both always colored red. Yeah. But one is like a lighter shade than the other, but that really doesn't tell me, like, is a, is a darker color more important than a lighter color? I don't know. We have a couple color coding thing. Yeah. We have to decipher words and phrases. Mm-hmm. It's just confusing. So I, now I just say there's more words, there's more letters in this one. I agree with that. So yeah, and it works. But so yeah, apparently uh, Oklahoma got hit again after they had gotten hit. What was that? A few weeks ago? A mm-hmm. couple weeks ago? Yeah, pretty bad too, from what I hear. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully everything's okay down there. It's a bummer to get hit twice in a row. I mean, it doesn't look like it's the same exact area, but. Can you imagine, like, being, like, if there was a guy that was like, I told you nothing would happen, like, the first mm-hmm. time in his house is okay, and then he got fucking hit the second time. <laughs> he got, like, oh, man. Man, the world hates me. <laughs> <laughs> he became a Christian that very yeah. moment. That's happened. Do you think something like that would, do you think there's anything like that that would happen that would make you become a hardcore Christian? I don't know, other than, like, seeing the face of God, but even then I would, Probably think I was just crazy. Yeah. Like schizophrenic or something. I don't know. You've seen all the all the dog butt Jesus sightings, haven't you? <laughs> the dog butt Jesus sightings? Yeah. No, you I haven't no seen idea what that is. Let's have Rodrigo pull that up real quick. That's but, the name of my uh, my thrash band, Dog is it? Butt Jesus. Yeah. Oh, dude, that sounds good. Yeah. You guys, it sounds like you might have broken up in the mid-90s, <laughs> but I don't know. Did you ever, are you on your reunion tour right now? We did. We broke up. Yeah. That's pretty rough. Dog butt Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, he's pulling up, but we apparently... broke up when our roadie, our roadie overdosed. Oh, yeah, man. It just took us out. That was bad in the 90s. Mm-hmm. 90s were... A, that was a bad time for roadies. <laughs> it was bad. He overdosed on uh, cough syrup. Apparently, there's been a lot of sightings of Jesus on dogs' asses. Holy cow, that, I see Jesus yeah. on dogs' ass. And I'm sure people that are listening, they've probably seen some of these pictures. <gasps> but That's it's, so brilliant. Yeah, man, it's... 
it's happened. It's like the more you look at it, dude. I need everybody listening right now to probably Google dog butt Jesus. That's all you got to do. <laughs> they took a negative image of it. Yeah, yeah, but it's... Oh, that guy's giving a lecture on dog butt Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's dog. Jamie. That's Jamie from uh, from uh, Mythbusters. Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, man. The, yeah, the dog's ass is up on the Megatron in front of like a college, probably college campus. They probably didn't expect to see like a two-story picture of the dog's behind quarters. No. As if dogs couldn't get any more adorable. That's true. They now have Jesus on their butt. Dog butt Jesus. I think I just became a Christian. That'll do it to you, man. If that was maybe mm-hmm. your dog, I could see that. Definitely. But. Hmm. So what else has been going on with you lately? Oh, I don't Anything know. Happening? Um, hasn't really been a lot happening. Just, uh, I know today is, uh, what is, what is today? Today is something, uh, do you know what today is, Ty? Today is something? Yeah, today is something. Today is something. Today copy is... off my notes. Oh, I see. <laughs> I have no idea what today is. Do you know what today, today is? Well, Apparently, you know something. I don't know. Google told me that today is Julius Richard Petrie's 161st birthday. Julie, I saw a bunch of Petri dishes. Yeah. I guess, is that the guy that made the Petri dish? That's him. Really? He created it in 1877, Ty. Pretty impressive. There's a lot of things that you never think about, like, uh, they're being, that them being invented, they, they were just always there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mr. Petri. Yeah, I know exactly. It's a Petri dish. And I bet whenever he was, like, studying, he was probably trying to come up with mm-hmm. some awesome cure for a disease or something. He probably didn't think that he was going to be remembered forever for the Petri dish. Making a little piece of glass. But, you know what, though? He's probably done a hell of a lot. I mean, I'm sure somebody eventually would have invented it if he hadn't. But I'm sure that was a big deal for as far as, like, research and development and some major stuff that we've had going as far as, like, chemicals and shit. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I would would love to go back to the 1800s and just invent shit. Like, this is is called the toothpick. This is what it is. After you're eating, after you're done eating your your ham and dinner, you put it in your teeth and you pick out all the little pieces. That's brilliant. He became a millionaire. Yeah, man. He's got toothpick money. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Richard Pick. (laughs) there's i don't know man there's a lot of fucked up stuff back then like back then they didn't even know that doctors didn't even know that not washing your hands would like that was what the the mortality rates in hospitals was huge like infections because doctors wouldn't wash their hands they would just like operate and touch other people's shit and then just move directly on to another patient and they they didn't know that Washing your hands was a way to get rid of bacteria and germs and stuff. And after they finally accepted that, then mortality rates just dropped. There was a time when they were just like, what? I'm not going to... And they were like offended when you would... Uh, when they first started telling them, like, you need to wash your hands. You guys are the ones killing people. They were like offended. They are like, I'm not going to wash my hands. I can't imagine ever, like, going back to a time where people were that naive. And mm-hmm. the, especially doctors. Like, you go into a hospital, and that's like the most hygienic, sterile place right. in the world. Yeah. We were idiots back then. Dude, even up until, like, you know, the 1950s when people actually thought smoking was good for you. I was totally about to bring that up, yeah. Really? Yeah, I was. Like, there's, there's like, magazine articles and, like, ads in magazines that said, like, you know, 9 out of 10 doctors recommend camel smoking for when you're pregnant. Like, literally, like, when you're pregnant, smoke camel. And menthol because it helps your vo- it helps your vocal code or your exactly, vo- yeah, yeah. voice box. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we were dummies. 
It's ridiculous. I remember a uh, a Kumail Nanjiani bit that he did that was talking about how he went to Coney Island and he did not want to ride the Cyclone mm-hmm. because I guess it was something like, you know, you, there's no way to make that ride any scarier. If you want to scare people, just put a sign that says this ride was in, was built in 1927 because mm-hmm. that's when the roller coaster was invented. Mm-hmm. And I forgot exactly like how he started. I know I'm not really doing the bit justice, but he started with like saying that as you ascend up the first hill, there would be like just hang signs about things from that era to scare you as you're going down the roller coaster. Holy like, cow. you know, this ride was built in a time when people thought cigarettes were good for you. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, and like. You know, have you ever heard the term, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread? Mm-hmm. Sliced bread was invented the year after the cyclone was invented. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Late night CSP, Ty. Yeah. We've had it going on here. We, uh, we didn't really expect a late night CSP. No, it just came out of nowhere, and I guess we should tell them the reason. We should announce that, we probably. Should. We're having an interview uh, coming up here in the, the second segment, I guess. Second sec. That's that's whenever we do our interviews around yeah, here. It's usually that's how we do it. It's our style. Um, it's Ksenia Ansky, who uh, hails from Seattle. We're psyched to have her on. Um, she's an urban fantasy writer. That's right. Um, she's written a couple books. Uh, Siren Suicides. I think that's going to be available for as a free ebook on our website in mm-hmm. July. I think she's going through the editing process right now, but it is completed. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, Blue Sparrow is also a collection of some of her favorite tweets, I guess, that have been, um, that have been her followers, I guess, asked her to put out a, a collection of her tweets. Mm-hmm. And that's available on Amazon right now. Free ebook. Free ebook, dude. So You can't beat that. No. She has a ton of followers, too. She has like 50,000 followers. Yeah. So we're psyched to have her on. I think it's going to be a really good... Really yeah, it'll be interview. cool. Apparently, she's a pretty important lady around uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of exciting. Making a little time to talk to a couple dopes like us. I love it. A couple dummies from yeah. St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. A couple, yeah, exactly. A couple just dog butt Jesuses from St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, uh, she she's Russian, right? She she come, came from Russia in like 98 or something. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at her website, too, uh, com. but she actually, she posts a lot of cool shit on there, and she had, she actually posted some of her Russian teenage poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, That's my emo band. Russian teenage poetry. Yeah, we're emo lo-fi. Dude, you have a thrash band and an emo band? Yeah, I know. That was Where a busy I... time through the 90s. Man, what you... <laughs> I don't even want to know what your ska band's name was, you can... <laughs> you gotta really remember back for that. That's dude, right. I can't remember. Yeah, There's too much drugs going around. Yeah. Too many trumpets and everything back then. Too many trumpets blew out my ears. Yeah, so it's uh, that's gonna be exciting. We hope you stick around for that. Mm-hmm. Um, late night CSP. It's our Ty. This is our first guest we've ever had on late night CSP. Hey, that's true. Late night CSP. Well, unless you would you count Jake as a guest? I guess. I don't know, man. He's just kind of here. Yeah, man. Jake's more a part of the show, really. He's not really like a guest. He's just like a fixture. He's a fixture, man. He's just part of the the furniture. Yeah. He's like our... I really wish Jake was like our Kevin Eubanks. That would be awesome. We would make a joke, and then Jake would just crack up. He just laughs over there, and then it cuts back. Cuts to him laughing and nodding. And then he'd be holding the bass, and every once in a while he'd go, (laughs) boom. Dude, I want to be that guy so bad. (laughs) Oh, man. We need to get one of those guys in Mm -hmm. here. 
That would be cool. I wonder how much they would charge just to sit in, just crack jokes and do a little. That'd be great. We could get Brennan. He plays bass. Yeah. Well, Brent. Yeah, but Brennan would be like he would be trying to play like you know <laughs> some type of fucking like Iron Maiden bass solo in between. We he, we wouldn't be like every time we crack a joke, just run it up the neck. He wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to. Do, no, he wouldn't. He'd have to be always. It just turned into like a riff, just a heavy metal riff. Yeah. That would be cool though. Be cool. We got to look into that. That's why we need to get a camera in here, man. That's right, we do. So we can we can do little shots over to. To, a, to the live band. That's right. Maybe we could just, I mean, Rodrigo, we could see if he could try to teach him something. I think he could do bass, though? I don't know. I mean, he has really trouble. He has a lot of trouble with simple things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I know, exactly. But really, like, how much training do you need? Just go, just to run it up. You're right. You're right. That's all you need. It's not very, yeah, you don't need very much at all. And it's not like, and whenever they, like, do play something in the middle, it's just like, little boat. Like that's it, and it doesn't even like make any sense, and just sounds like some kind of like jazz. Man, I wish it was. If we didn't have this certain format where like we take a break and then we we get the guest situated and then we come mm. back, I wish it could just be like, all right, and now you know, hot off the press, you know, we got Jake coming in, and then we could like play like dun 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 dun, dun like something yeah. like Paul Schaefer. Yeah, that'd be sick. But man, hmm. alas, alas, the future maybe one day possibly. When we've uh, when we've conquered the internet, we're getting close to it. I think we have probably a, I would say a good quarter of it down. I think we're almost there. Quarter of the internet, we're getting there. It's hitting by waves. There's uh, there's reports from all across the globe of ambassadors of the future. Mm-hmm. They're coming in, man. And they seem they seem to be kind of res- like they resemble cults, but they're really just collectives. Mm-hmm. I like to call them collectives. Yeah. Look out, uh, Death Squad. That's right. Yeah. Death Squad, all you networks out there, coming at you. Death Squad's pretty big, dude. Death Squad is. I don't know. Are there any uh, Death Squad? If anybody doesn't know, that's Joe Rogan. Um, him and his buddy Red Band. They uh, Red Band's kind of the producer, I guess. Yeah. And he made a little network where he runs a bunch of different podcasts of other comedians and stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. Death Squad. And it's uh, Joey Diaz, yeah, uh, Duncan Trussell, Burt Kreischer, mm-hmm. Sam Tripoli, all those guys. Yeah, Kevin Pereira even, which was kind of cool. Kevin Just, Sprinkles Pereira. Kevin Sprinkles Pereira, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a little podcast chat. Yeah, you know. You know, there should be a little segment where we recommend podcasts, too. Yeah, really. I just found a cool one. Um which, of course, I found out about it from Rogan or something. It was Hardcore History oh, yeah. with Dan Carlin. It's really good. He just, like, talks really passionately about um, just different subjects, like, different... Like, right now, I'm listening to The Fall of Rome, and it kind of gives you this really in-depth, but, like, from a different perspective that you really wouldn't hear in school or anything of, like, what was leading up to the destruction of, like, the whole political system and economic system. Sounds boring as hell, but actually, it's pretty cool. You would probably... Have, do you ever listen to um, The Memory Palace? Mm-mm. You'd probably be into that, too. Really? It's um, on the Maximum Fun Network. It's uh, Jordan Jesse Go. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's, the, it's hosted by a guy named Nate DeMeo. He just recently joined their network, too, but it's it's like the episodes are like sometimes three to probably at the max, like 15-minute long episodes. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, he basically just tells a story from the past, 
just picks a time frame yeah. and he produces the shit out of it. He puts like, you know, awesome old timey music in it. And mm-hmm. it's just like a really dramatic, almost like an NPR type. Really? Yeah. Like, all Is it like, uh, like a, his, like history or just his own stories from his own life or something? Um, no, a lot of it is, it's like historic stories from like, you know, like a family that, that ran like this certain box factory mm-hmm. in the 1920s. Like, that's cool. It's just certain snippets from like different eras of yeah. history. That's super cool, man. Yeah. I love, uh, era kind of art like that, whether it be film or TV or movies or anything, just something that presents like an era and what it was like to live back then. Just like stupid, and then it's like stupid shows like Downton Abbey or something where you get to see what was going on in their time and their perspective on the changing of the time and I love any of that kind of shit. Even just Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Or Mad Men, yeah. the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, what, that leads me to, I guess, ask you a question that I was kind of thinking of, Ty. This is going to be a tough one, too, to just throw at you. Oh, let's go for it. But maybe you'll, maybe something will spring in your mind. If you could pick just like a certain memorable moment in history, anywhere in the world, that you could be there. Mm-hmm. Signing of, of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. The guy that invented the first trampoline. Yeah. Anything, Ty. Really? The first time that all. the first time that they realized that mixing a banana with ice cream mm-hmm. and then strawberry, chocolate, yeah. pineapple. Yeah. Anything. Oh. That's a thunderclap. Did you hear that? Yeah. Podcast land. Thunder. We got, we got some storms going on here. It's happening out there. It really is. But what would you pick mm. to be there live? Anything at all. And that, I, is, that is a tough one. And I will let you know, too, I don't have an answer for this. Answer. So most of the time, if I ask a question, I have an answer in the, in the oven, but I don't. Yeah. I'm trying to think because there's I have some cliche ones. Like, I don't know, like JFK's inauguration or something like that. Or, you know, the Gettysburg Address or... I don't know. I think my main one might have to be Woodstock. And I don't know if it's a particular moment. Maybe when uh, Jimi Hendrix is playing Star Spangled Banner or something, even though I'm sure everyone felt like shit. It was early mm-hmm. morning. Everyone's covered in mud and dirt and stuff. But uh, I don't know Woodstock, man. I would have loved to have just been tripping balls living. Did you ever see... Uh, what was the, uh, the Dimitri Martin movie? Was it Taking Woodstock? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see that, but I, I have seen a preview for it. It is really good, man. I love that movie, but it gives you a super cool glimpse at uh, what it was like kind of down there at the time with just everyone was so... I'm sure there was obviously bad shit going on, and I'm sure there was some unpleasant situations, but it seems like for the most part, everyone was there, and everyone was about love, and everyone was about acceptance and being cool to other people, and nuns came down and made tons of sandwiches and served them out, and... People like from the neighboring towns came out and brought food and water, and it, they could just tell like they could tell the vibe of the whole place was these kids are peaceful and these kids are all good kids and they're here to have a good time and they're, you know, they don't they're not interested in war or any of the bullshit that was going on, and then of course the drugs would have been amazing. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Woodstock. Mine, if I had to guess, would probably be Woodstock '99. Woodstock 99. <laughs> Just because I want to push over a tower and light a bunch of things on fire. Yeah, I think Lincoln part. Wait, who? Oh, that was the... Is that what happened at 99? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember oh, that. Okay. Yeah. There was 94, which kind of 
should have told them not to do it again. Yeah, yeah. And then 99 is like, man, this is done now. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. It was like Lincoln Park or Corn or somebody. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they a bunch of people got raped and a bunch of things got lit on Jesus. fire and it was retarded, dude. Yeah. If anything shows dude. you what a what a downfall our civilization has become just over, throughout the generations. Yeah, that's a good point. It's going from Woodstock to Woodstock 99. Uh, that's a good point. What happened, man? I think there was just so... Well, I don't know. I mean, there's terrible shit going on in the 90s, too. But maybe it was just there was such a backlash against war and against... And I think it was also, too, like, we had, re, like, recently landed on the moon. So people had an, this entirely new perspective of the Earth. And there's war going on, this war, and people are finally waking up and being like, wait a second, why are we in this war? And I think it was just, like, a generation that, find, like, eyes were, un, like, everything was unveiled and the world was unveiled to them. Well, and also, I think, looking back, that original Woodstock was kind of the we generation, whereas, like, 99 was sort of, like, a me generation. Like, yeah. no one really saw themselves as, like, we're all in this together. Yeah, They're that's like, true. fuck you, man. I want to get the biggest biggest truck. I want to get, like, mm-hmm. the most food. Like, fuck you. Don't take any of my shit. This is all mine over here. Yeah. You think maybe it had something to do with the music, too? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, that's kind of getting into an argument, though, of, uh, like, whether music kind of has an influence on... Well, okay, picture picture this. Yeah. If you get fucked up, and maybe maybe we'll even throw the, the music clips in here to really add add some flair to it in, <laughs> uh, in post, Ty. We can do that in post. Yeah, but picture this. You're getting all fucked up. You're surrounded by 500,000, however mm. many people, and then you hear, Come on, people now. My own brother, everybody get yeah. together. Right. Trying to love one yeah, fuck that. And then you're in Woodstock 99, you're surrounded by the same amount of people. You're all fucked up, and it's like, something takes a part of me. That's true, man. That's definitely a good point. Yeah, I could see that totally. And it was also, like, everything everything going on, like, America going into, like, the, the 80s and 90s became, um, everything was commercialized and everything. You're right, it was a me generation where it be- suddenly became about you. Like, all these shows crop up that are about, like, an individual, like, Felicity, and it's like, I'm special. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and the music, too. Everything then, at that time... I mean, there's bands out there who are doing really cool, peaceful stuff, but they're not... It's not what's popular anymore, or... I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I've always, like, even though... Uh, I'm not gonna say, like, someone listens to Marilyn Manson, and then they go out and kill people. I mean, of course, there might be a crazy person or who's, you know, on the edge or something. But it has to, it has to make it some kind of difference, right? It has to at least perpetuate, like, you're, sh- you're feeling shitty, in a shitty mood, you know, you're feeling self-destructive or something, and then you listen to that kind of music. It has to at least perpetuate it. The only, way. yeah, I don't, don't, that's the only thing I would think, too. Like, I'm, I'm not one to, to think that, like, if you hear certain things or you see certain things... It's going to make you go, like, you're going to play Grand Theft Auto and then you're going to go out and kill people. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you have to already have those feelings in you yeah. to hurt people. And then you hear music and it just pisses you off more. And you're like, mm-hmm. you know what? They're right, man. Fuck everybody. Yeah. That's the only thing that I could, you know, see with music. Because it just kind of, I think it just sort of lights more of a fire of what you already have inside of you. Mm-hmm. But people that are going to do that are going to do it anyway. Yeah, that's true. It's either going to be a Marilyn Manson song, or it's going to be a bad grade on a test, or it's mm-hmm. fucking going to be a burnt Pop-Tart. 
It's going to be yeah. something's going to set them off. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Woodstock. Ugh, Woodstock 99. Bad news. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I would love to go back to the original Woodstock. I love the idea of it, mm-hmm. but I'm not a big fan of festivals. Oh, yeah. I could see myself even like being like kind of excited at first, but then I'd kind of be bummed out, and then I'd be mm-hmm. like, man, it's hot. I kind of just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Even sure. Woodstock. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure there's tons of people who are like that. Like, why did we come here? It's just packed. It's filthy. Everything's muddy. There's hard. There's not enough food. There's you know hardly enough water. Yeah. You've seen the original movie too, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Who Who was that? Was that a uh, Scorsese? Right. The original Woodstock. Yeah, I don't think I don't really even think it was a well-known director, was it? It was, man. Woodstock. Look that up, Rodrigo. Rodrigo, do something. I'm pretty sure that was Scorsese. Um, yeah, he's done a lot of documentaries. I think he did a Rolling Stone documentary fairly recently, oh, uh, too. Oh, that was uh, Shine, was it Shine a Light? Or, I think it might have been Shine a Light. I'm not sure. But he's had a... Scorsese's had a lot of interest in like that whole counterculture. In all of his movies, he always puts uh, Rolling Stones. Especially... Uh, what's that... Uh, Rolling Stone songs that it's just a shadow away. Yeah. Uh, give Me Shelter. Yeah, Give Me Shelter. He puts that in everything. Michael Wadley. Oh, uh, maybe it was just... See, now i got to get into this shit. I know I'm right. Ty's back in the production booth. Now, good thing we have that mic'd up. Oh, that's right. I got. I just ran back there. Yeah. So Man, he, just, he, he just fucking whipped the, the computer out of Rodrigo's mm. hands. Like, oh, uh, okay. He edited, I guess. Did he? So, um, yeah. I'm sure his name is... His name was attached to it. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I was, I was wrong. But he was in there somewhere. He was in it. I thought you were going to say, uh, you were trying to think of the person. I was going to be like, yes, Country Joe and the Fish. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's what I was thinking of. Damn it. Damn, yeah, man, there would have been some cool shit going on there. And now, even if it was shitty, just to, to say like, oh, wait, I was there, dude. Yeah. Awesome. Have a ticket stub. Awesome. Those go for a lot of money now. Do dude. they? Yeah. yeah. I guess that makes sense. It makes me take a you know, uh, you heard the band uh, Mountain? Mm-mm. I think they do uh, Mississippi Queen. Mississippi oh, yeah, yeah, Queen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were at Woodstock, and their manager told them um, that they shouldn't be in the movie. Because they offered to put their performance in the movie, and they were like, no, I don't think so. Really? Yeah. That bastard. So, and it kind of leads to believe, or it kind of leads to the fact where I was like, hey, have you ever heard of Mountain? You're like, no. Mm-hmm. No, right? Maybe we would have heard of Mountain. Yeah, exactly. I did not, but okay. They would have been on there with Jimi Hendrix, with The Who, with you know all these other great bands that performed. That's so stupid. Hmm. But yeah, I guess their their manager was probably high too, and he was he was just like, man, fuck that, dude. Our essence can't be labeled on a movie. <laughs> like, no, this is That's the experience. Too. Like, we're live now. Mm-hmm. Live. Why would you want to do that, man? They're cheaping it. We're filming it. Yeah. People want to see you. They come to the show. They don't go out and buy this guy's movie. Yeah, that dude's so fired right now. Mm-hmm. Mountain. Mississippi Queen. Yeah. She taught me everything. Forever. There's tons of songs uh, like that that I just have no idea who sings it. I just know that song. That has been a segment that we have been putting together, but I don't think we're ever going to get done with it. Just yeah. playing songs that. You know, but you don't know who the artist is. Yeah, who sings that Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog song? Oh, man, I don't know. That's one I, of those songs. Yeah. I have no idea. I know the hell out of that song, though. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. 
lot of songs out there, man. A lot of tunes, a lot of tunes. But it's going to be an exciting episode. I think I'm, I'm pretty psyched. It is. I'm pretty psyched. I'm sipping on some, uh, at some Sam Adams oh. New World. We haven't talked, we haven't talked beer in a while. We haven't really drank beer in a while. That's true. I have been slacking on my beer drinking. So I think I owe that to, I've been trying to go healthy. And so every night that I'm like thinking about drinking, I'm like, well, I kind of just had like something that I shouldn't have had today. So I'm not going to ruin that. Or I, or I like ran or something tonight. So I'm not going to ruin that with a few beers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really... You know, anybody that listens to any of the older episodes, I would say anything from probably like 18 mm-hmm. up until like mid-30s. Yeah. We talk about some beers that we're drinking, and we were drinking some heavy beer, like some stouts, man, like some chocolate stouts. Drink some serious beer, man. Yeah. Put a little belly on you. It'll do it. It'll do it. But they're so Just damn some, good. Oh, they're good. I loved it. Like, I haven't had a, haven't had a real good beer in a while, so yeah. I'm, I'm super into it. We'll, we'll break open that, that uh, organic chocolate stout that I bought. We can uh, yeah. we can each take a little bit of that. Yeah, we can do that. I'm pretty psyched about that one. But yeah. Um, so what do you think, man? I mean, should we take a break? Yeah, I guess we might as well. Regroup a little bit. Mm-hmm. We'll get uh, Cassini on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Have a killer uh, interview. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Hopefully. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll... Uh, does Rodrigo have the phone lines open? Has he opened the phone lines yet? Or? Not sure if he has yet. Because I told him, he knows that this is a very important episode. We mm. have a guest calling in from Seattle. That's right. I told him to get here a little bit early. It wouldn't kill him. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he did get here early. Well, he did. He straggled in. He had like a he had like a half-eaten burger in his hands at McDonald's. He obviously stopped at the drive-thru. So. Sports section under his arm. That's right. He oh, looked like he wasn't yeah. even that interested. Man, like, I know that, like, we had these terrible storms tonight, and I'm happy we didn't lose power Yeah, here at CSP headquarters, right? but still, it's like, he could have got here just a little bit early and just had the phone lines ready to go sound check, all that shit. He could have, too. I mean, he said, I mean, he was, like, mumbling something about, when he called earlier, he was saying something about his house and, like, a tree, a tree falling on something, something like a lot of damage, but... I mean, really, dude. We've yeah. we've had this set up for like a week. I know, and it's a lot of. There are a lot of trees out there, and the tree is like a pretty natural thing. Okay, it's a guess what? Thing. They fall down. That happens. They happen. How is that our problem? That has nothing to do with me. Man, me either. Or we have Ksenia or Ansky. I'll tell you what has to do with all three of those names. You, me, and Ksenia. This up? interview that we have next segment. Exactly right. Yeah, that's the unifying thing. For the night, like, I don't know what he's worried about over there. Something like his family and them seeing some work for the night or something, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're all about this interview tonight, and that's really what's important. So we like to we like to let people know, I don't know, I like the, I like the feel of a late night CSP. Mm-hmm. So you might be listening to this on your way to work, um, you know, whatever you yeah. do, on your way to your girlfriend's house, like you don't want your wife to find out. Like, I don't know what you're up to. Mm-hmm. But we don't judge it. But I just want you guys to know, right now, it's about quarter to 11, and we're, we're just doing a late-night CSP. That's right. Raining a little bit outside, and we're feeling good. It is. Put yourself in that uh, mindset, folks. Yeah. Close your eyes, unless you're driving. <laughs> Close one eye. <laughs> Close one eye. <laughs> and just Close imagine eyes. it being really dark and stormy outside. Exactly. That little ladder's in the storm right now. Oh. be a pretty good cool. idea, actually. We're just going to start playing songs every... every... It's a badass song, man. 
It is, especially when it's raining. Makes me want to take some sort of substance and just sit in a dark room with the flash, the lightning flashing outside. Man, real quick, before uh, we break, I watched the uh, Doors documentary, Mr. Mojo Rising. Oh, really? Um, it was, I guess they played it after Rayman Eric died. Mm-hmm. But that keyboard solo on that song with the bass, like, yeah. it's like doing the... And they got like the thunder in the background. That's killer. That's one of the greatest songs ever. Killer. Might have to do that. Yeah, definitely. But then we'll be back after the break with author Kusinianski on CSP. on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog with Ty, we're back. Here we are, segment two. Mm-hmm. Nice little break there. Yeah, it was nice. A little interview segment now. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have a special guest um, joining us all the way from Seattle. That's right. We have Ksenia Ansky. Is that how you would pronounce it right? Yep, you got it. Oh, awesome. yeah, perfect. Good. Uh, yeah, Ksenia is coming out of Seattle. Uh, she's an author. And also, seeing that you had some previous stuff going on it was it like uh was some sort of social networking going on for local people in seattle or i wasn't sure exactly yeah i was an entrepreneur i was doing um social media that was my career social media marketing and i had a startup before that as well Mm -hmm. that's cool but now uh would you just are you just writing now is that what you're doing yeah i've been writing since may 15th of 2012 exactly this really? is the week that I decided I'm going to quit my career in rights. So it's been one year. That's awesome. So how's everything been working for you? Are you pretty satisfied with how it's going? I'm broke. 
but I'm happy. <laughs> yes, it's Good. awesome. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. Yeah, that's definitely what counts. And then I guess you finished, uh, was it Siren Suicides? Was that the, yeah. that was the first and thing I you just finished? That was my first novel that actually turned into a trilogy because it kept growing and growing and growing, and then it grew to the size where it had to be broken into three books. And um, I finished it last month, and now it's off to my editor, and it should be done in July, with hope, because she has to plow through three books. Wow, and I guess uh, the basic concept is um, your main character is Eileen Bright. Um, her yep. mother mother commits suicide. Yeah. And then uh, I guess Eileen tries to commit suicide by drowning herself, and she turns into a siren and uh, discovers her father's a siren hunter. Yep. That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah, I was going off the uh, description that was on your website there. That's pretty much uh, pretty much the gist of it. Um, what? How else would you describe? Um, you know, it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland, except all things water. That's probably the easiest to describe it, because it's mad, it's wild, it's a land of suicide. I was suicidal myself twice. I was suicidal the first time when I was 16, so it's sort of based on my personal experiences. And then later when I was 33, which was, what, about three years ago? Um, and it's something that people don't really want to see. You know, it's scary and it's very chaotic and it's hard to understand if you haven't been through it. So it's easier to turn it into a fantasy. So in that sense, it is mad, you know, the mad way the Mad Hatter is in Alice in Wonderland. Um, but it's completely different in terms of the story. So it's basically a, a chase throughout um, lakes and rivers in Seattle, you know, and it's all rainy here. And I've been here living in the city, so I guess I've absorbed the moisture. <laughs> um, but um, the, the actual story is pretty grim, um, but at the same time, it's a fantasy, or some people tell me it's urban fantasy because it's set against a city landscape, and yet it's fantastical. That's kind of a... what a, Was there something that influenced you to write it about sirens? Because that seems like sirens are kind of like... A, isn't that like a mythical marine creature, right, that would lure sailors with yeah, singing, it's, right? Um, Homer's Odyssey, it's, you know, it's been mentioned several times in mythology, and there is kind of murky distinction about it, but the main gist is it's three sisters, and they live on an island. Um, they've been, you know, there's very different ways of um, tracing back the history, how they got there, but basically by the disgrace of one of the gods, and so their fate was to lure sailors to their death with their song. And the idea is that they sit amongst the bones that are rotten. So you don't know really if they've eaten them or what. So I kind of invented upon that because the idea is that they had a contest with the muses, and they lost, and in their grief they threw themselves into the sea. And this is where the confusion comes between mermaids and sirens, because sirens do not have the tail, they don't look like a fish, they're just women swimming in the sea. So I kind of pick up from that point, um, and then I say that they feed on human souls, they sing them out. Um, and then from there, you know, tracing it back to modern times, Seattle, uh, which is kind of a perfect location because it's all water, water, water here. And you said that's going to that's gonna be out for download next month. Yeah, I'm, basically the deal is I wish I had 
20 arms or somebody would clone me so there were five of me because i'm doing everything myself i have the actual files um they're not ready yet they're with an editor but i've been emailing it out to people to beta read and i have up to 300 people i think by now um people keep asking and so it's not professionally edited yet it's a pdf file um i'll upload all of them once they're edited on my site for free so they're downloadable in all formats Mobi, EPUB, you know, anything you want. Um, at the same time, they'll be also available digital on Amazon. And unfortunately, it doesn't allow for your book to be free. So, um, and then paper also. Unfortunately, paper costs money, so that'll mm. cost money too. But at the same time, you know, if you don't have money, you're welcome to come to my site and download it for free. Um, so, I'm doing my own site myself as well. That's why it's slow. Otherwise, it would have been faster. That's super cool, uh, just letting it, putting it on your website for free and kind of letting people have it for free. I think that's kind of a cool uh, business model that people are doing. It looks like you, you're getting into that with, is it Creative Commons? Creative Commons, yeah. The licenses, I mean, I'm really just picking up what's been already happening. You can see it in the music industry. Um, you know, the CDs used to be a product that you paid money for, but they're no longer a product. They're promotional material. Music itself is promotional material. People pay for the concerts to go to the concert. People pay for T-shirts to buy at the concert to show other people that they support their band, you know. But really, I mean, music is downloadable, and the whole idea about it is art. You know, spread the art, really, and support the artist directly. So Amanda Palmer is doing it in her industry. But then if you look at um, Dr. Rove, he's doing um, this with his books as well. And I'm just picking up the trend, really. And I did it because people asked me for it. I have, I think, over 50,000 followers on Twitter now, which surprised me. Um, when I started last year of how fast it started growing and people were asking and asking and asking and I thought why would I need to wait for a publisher where people are asking for it now um, and then there's uh, one little miraculous story happened too also that pushed me towards it number one this book kind of pulled me out of my depression and pulled me out of suicidal thoughts really it was like therapy for me so I resolved that it will forever be free no matter what deal I get but also one of my beta readers was um, counselor for kids in Austria that, you know, teens with problems, as they call them. So she was reading, unbeknownst to me, my draft to those kids. And one boy came up to her after and said, hey, you know, um, just you reading the story about Elin um, made me think about talking to you because I thought about killing myself. And so they had a talk. And. She emailed me, and I bawled my eyes out the whole day. I thought, you know, if I get a kid to talk about it and stop him thinking from committing suicide, then that's my goal. I don't care for, you know, making millions of dollars. It just that doesn't mean much. This means everything. And so that's my inspiration, I guess, for it. And even just with social media, having that many followers, I mean, just think of how many people. Like, that is, that's such a powerful tool to reach out to people that, you know, before – you couldn't reach out to people like that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Like so, today, you know, if you have any Harry Potter fans in there, I, I talked to a guy who was in the same school with J.K. Rowling, and <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Twitter is just it's an amazing thing, you know. He said that she was his head girl, and um, 
he knows who Snape was based on. It was their <laughs> chemistry teacher. And of course, I don't know if he was pulling my leg or not, but he sounded pretty legit. And I was in UK and he said, of course, he doesn't remember me. And I was just blown out of the water. I mean, this was not possible before. It was just mm-hmm. impossible to connect with people like that. So I guess with uh, with Creative Commons, it seems like the one of the ideas is that people are able to kind of take your work and uh, expand on it or do whatever they not whatever they want with it, but whatever they want with it, as long as it's not for commercial use or... Yeah, I'll explain. There are several Creative Commons licenses. If you go to their website, creativecommons.org, you can see the differences. And the one that I'm using is actually different from the one Corey Doctorup is using for his books at the moment. So with my license, you can... Um, it says share alike the end of it what it means is you can modify upon it you can make it into a screenplay you know into a movie into a comic book anything you want by the way i had already two people write screenplays and i already had um two illustrators asking if they could do a comic book and i had one guy starting to develop a game i think he abandoned it um if you're uh, mentioning my authorship if you're attributing it to me and if you're doing it non-commercially so yeah the different license that Corey Doctor uses um, is the same, except you cannot adapt it. And he did it because, he explains on his website, people wanted to translate his books, and he really wanted to know the translators better, um, to talk with them one-on-one, you know, without any hurry. I'm not at that point yet. I don't have, like, big publishers pounding on my door, um, big people asking me for big things. So... Until then, you know, until it's inconvenient for me, it's really, really what I want is for my message to spread as far as it would go. Well, speaking of that, and I guess just about social media in general, um, why don't you explain to us uh, Blue Sparrow, what that's all about? (laughs) That, you know, was really funny because when I started tweeting last year, at first I thought, I was very timid, you know, I've I've never studied writing and I was kind of sort of pushed into writing by my friends without realizing I have been doing writing since I was a teenager, but I didn't really, you know, thought it was writing. So I just was really afraid of speaking my mind. And then I saw other people do it on Twitter. Again, the power of Twitter here is for you. And I timidly started doing it, and people retweeted it. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I kind of grew bolder and bolder just tweeting about my thoughts, about writing and reading. And it seems like people really liked it. And I was like, wow, really? Are you guys serious? <laughs> and, and then it just kind of started snowballing. Then people started saying, hey, you should, you should do a book. You know, it was just not one person. It was probably close to 20 people who mentioned it. I'm like, fine. I'll do a book, you know, I I was like, are you guys serious? Like, you really want it? They're like, yeah. So I said, okay. So I finished writing um, Siren Suicides, and I always take about a couple weeks break, you know, between projects just to have my, give my brain a rest. And in those two weeks, I um, downloaded my Twitter archive. I went through it by hand, took a whole week, because I had like close to 100,000 tweets, I think, total. Um, and I selected the top ones, um, you know, the top retweeted and the top favorited ones. I think the top one I had was retweeted 100 times and it was favorite 95 times or something like that. So I just collected 140 of them, which is kind of a, you know, a joke on Twitter because it's 140 characters. And 
um, it was like like my little pet project, I guess, like a training ground of what it means to format your book because it's a pain, and you know what it means to publish it and um, let it out. Just last week, I, I haven't even updated my website yet because it's also going to be available free. I'll download all the files. I haven't had the time, and people have been buying it already. I'm like, are you guys out of your mind? <laughs> and they're like, we we'll love it. And, there's this guy in Brazil, he's like, I want you to send me an autographed copy. I'm like, fine, I'll kiss it for you too with a lipstick. What color do you want? I oh, mean, it's, awesome. just, it's just been hysterical, but it's it's selling. It's made um, to number 33 last time I looked in its category on Amazon. Now it's just blown out of the water by it. That's cool. I don't know that I've heard of a... Of a of a book made out of like tweets, or it feels like it's might be like a pretty new concept. I mean, obviously that's that technology and that social media is pretty new, but I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody wanting to make a book out of their tweets. That's a pretty cool idea. I know. I I didn't. I tell you, because my followers would ask me to. <laughs> I think it's funny that you did that during your break. That's how you spent your break between writing is putting putting <laughs> together a new book. Yeah, I can't. I'm just one of those people. I can't nothing you know i just have to and once i started writing i have so many stories in my head like i already have two more novels planned out i'm like okay i can't wait to be done with this one because i'm writing my second one now and i already think ahead i'm like geez this is nuts girl you're nuts you know (laughs) but it's just like a faucet has been opened or something but you never before then like i saw that you had posted some uh some of your poems that you had written when you were in russia but before then, had you not really, did you not write that much growing up, or? No, I started, um, well, what really happened is what I'm realizing now is I've been sort of writing, imagining stories in my head, because I had a pretty brutal childhood, I, you know, as a means of escaping, I escaped into my head, and so I created these complete movies in my head, ever since I remember myself, I was always out of reality, you can't call it writing. You know, I wasn't writing it down, but I remember them like movies. And so when I'm writing my novels now, it's kind of like what I'm doing is I'm writing down a movie that I see in my head. It's the best I can describe it. It's the same way how I used to do it when I was little, you know. And um, when I was 15, I started writing a diary. And so I wrote a diary for two years. I wrote poetry in there, and that was it. You know, I didn't think of it as writing, and... Then I did some essays and some assignments everybody usually has to do in school, but I also didn't think any any better of them. And I was always scolded by teachers because they were always telling me, it's too imaginative, too much fantasy. They're always like, I never got A's. And I just thought that my writing is shit. I was like, all right, well, I'll never try again. Man, I, I hate it when teachers do that too. You always hear like they're always cracking down on kids for too much imagination. Too much imagination, buddy. Well, that was back in Soviet Union. You can imagine it was kind of different. Oh yeah, that's true. Schools and you know it was. Uh, I don't know. Teachers just they didn't like my style. Like I had, I still remember I had to do an essay um, to pass the grade, graduating, and it was um, you know about girls world war and i picked out to describe the city and i described the city as a spider and the teacher was furious she was like what the hell is this you know <laughs> a spider. she's like what? and she was just so upset and i thought oh my god you know, my brain is wrong something's wrong with me so i was just like i give up <laughs> did you grow up like reading at all or yeah books were my escape i 
learned to read pretty early on, and I read everything I could get my hands on. Who would you say, I guess, is your favorite author? Oh, my God. You did not just ask me. <laughs> I went there. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> I totally took it to that level. Oh, uh, just or, one? Yeah. Yeah, or just throw out some names, too, if you have some top guys uh, or ladies. Well, let me let me break it down into two countries, I guess, because oh. there's this one life that I had in Russia and then the other one when I came here. I think the biggest blow in my head that happened to me in Russia, and it was like a bridge over to U.S., was when I was in my late teens, I stumbled up, um, upon Stephen King. Yeah. Stephen King translated into Russian, but it, it blew me out of my socks. I read everything by him that was translated, every single book. And I think I read like 13 or 14 of his books in a row because we had these like little kiosks by a subway station where you can buy the books, and I would go and buy a new one when I was done. Um, but at the same time, I was also reading such Russian authors as Bulgakov and Nabokov's Lolita, and I was reading that in Russian as well. Um, and then when I came to U.S., when I actually learned, because I didn't know any English when I got here, so when I actually, you know, knew enough language to read, I would think that the biggest thing that blew me out of my socks again, which was when Harry Potter came out, I was reading until four in the morning until I couldn't read anymore, and I, like, fall asleep into the book, and I wake up and keep reading it. Um, and then later, when I got serious about you know, reading Chuck Palahniuk was the one that yeah. I, he's, yeah, so I would say Stephen King, J.K. Rowling, Chuck Palahniuk, Nabokov, um, Haruki Murakami, and, um, you know, there's, there's many more, but when I was little, I grabbed on Pushkin and Chekhov, um, and Russian fairy tales that are pretty grim because fairy tales usually are fairy tales, right? We had them mm. about like a, you know, a bear who comes out of the forest and he like clubs this old woman and, you know, she dies and stuff. I'm like, dude, this is not a fairy tale. It's like a horror story. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what I agree up on. Yeah, we're definitely big. I mean... Like I said, Ty's a huge Harry Potter guy, but we're both real big Stephen King guys. He is so prolific. I know, right? Yeah, I as far as... Him uh, sometimes. Like, dude, you can't be this good. Yeah. Oh. As far as I'm concerned, Stephen King is one of the greatest writers. As yeah. the, the way that he can craft a story and craft characters. Um, it, I don't know if there's anybody that can do it the way he does it, so... He doesn't get near. He doesn't. He gets a lot of credit, but he doesn't get nearly as much credit as he should get. Yeah, he just does two sentences. And I'm like, oh, I hate you, God. How did you just do it? And I reread it again and again. I'm like, how did you just do it? I yes. can see the character. I can smell him. I'm like, oh. Yeah, he's insane. Okay, another question I have for you is, um, whenever you experience, I guess, whenever you experience writer's block, how do you find ways to get past that? Are you going to kill me for this one? <laughs> I have the opposite problem. <laughs> uh, you can't stop writing? <laughs> yeah. I don't have a writer's block. I have a problem that I have so much that I get really upset when my writing time runs out. Because I have to stop around 2 o'clock. I have to go get my son from school, you know, and then we do his homework and blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I just wish I could write a whole day like I wish I didn't have to eat or sleep or anything and of course it's silly because I would 
gotten exhausted. But at this point, it was not writer's block. What I was struggling with was with a different problem. I was terrified and afraid now to have anxiety bouts, like half an hour of crying almost every morning for several months when I was writing Siren Suicides. And it was kind of private, but then I told people about it because it's it was just this fear of, I don't think it's writer's block. I don't really know how to categorize it, but that's what I've been struggling with. I do get those sometimes now, but less. Um, Twitter helps. You know, my Twitter buddies, I'll tell them, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm horrible at write shit. They're like, shut up. You don't. And I'm like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> they don't let me go down anymore. <laughs> Well, that's pretty good. I mean, there are a lot of people that get stuck, and I mean, it's awesome that you had the opposite thing going on. I, I would think for you, it might be hard to even just focus on one book. Do you ever like get multiple stories in your head where you can't even focus on the one thing? No, I actually am an organizational freak that way. I can't, until I'm done with one story, I can't do a different one. For example, I had a bunch of magazines um, come up to me asking me to contribute to them, short stories, and I actually have done when I was less busy, which right now it keeps, it's kind of started snowballing a little bit, you know, people asking for interviews and this and that. And when it just started, I was really eager to do it for everyone because I was excited. I'm like, are you serious? You want me to write something for you? Oh my God, I'll kiss your feet. Of course I'll write something for you. <laughs> um, and so I wrote a couple, but I couldn't, it was just, I can't break it. It's kind of like I'm living my story and I have to finish it and move on. Uh, I can't dilute it with anything else, otherwise it loses momentum. So, no, I can't. I don't have multiple stories. I'm kind of holding, it's kind of like having a movie on pause. That's what, my next novel right now, I'm holding it back. Because literally sometimes it would break through and I would write down a complete scene, like in five minutes. I'm like, okay, shut up now and go back, because it's too early. Um, that's what I've been doing with Rosehead, because I was writing Siren Suicides, finishing... And that's how I know I have to move on to the next project because it would just break through. I would just get a complete scene in my head and I would, you know, quickly write it down before I lose it. Um, so, yeah, that's what happens. And you're currently working on Rosehead right now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm halfway done with draft one. And you already are getting ideas to, to make it a trilogy. You're already getting ideas for the third book? No, this is the one that's after. No, this one I don't think is going to be a trilogy. This one is more of a, like, mystery fantasy, kind of. It's about this 12-year-old um, girl who goes to family reunion in Germany to her uh, grandfather, who is a famous rose gardener, you know, and grower of roses and supplying roses to celebrities all over the world. And she discovers that he kills women and feeds them to roses, and that's his secret of his success. And... So she's trying to solve this mystery, and she has this talking pet with it, and, you know, he helps her sniff it out. So that's the, the premise, and um, her favorite books are by Arthur um, Conan Doyle, you know, The Hound yeah. of the Baskervilles, and so it's, um, it's that. But then the next novel that I'm holding back is called Irkodura. It's like a Russian, it's like a first name combined with the word fool, you know, female, and uh, it's a literary novel. It's not fantasy, and Michael Gruber, actually a local author who wrote more than 25 novels, and he's my neighbor, he's like five minutes away. He literally told me to come over for coffee, and like, he's shaking his fingers, like, you have to write this, you have to. I'm like, all right, all right, don't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I biked back. Then biking, I sold my car and I, I basically sold all of my possessions to be able to ride and you know scrape money into savings so I could ride. Um, so I was biking home, and in 20 minutes I had you know the beginning of the novel, the ending, the basic set of characters, and I quickly wrote it down. So I'm ready to start on it as soon as I'm done with Rose Hat. That's so awesome. Like I, I so like respect the like the lifestyle that that you've chosen. I mean, like you're 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 fully into it. Like you're just engulfed in it. It's like everything. It's. it's... Well, I don't have much money left to live on. Of course I am. <laughs> right. Oh man, that's true. As fast as I can, because I'm gonna run out of my savings, and then I'm toast. Well, I hope that if if anyone is reading anything out there, I hope that they're reading stuff, at least by authors like you that are just that's that's your life and it. Your your whole livelihood depends on your writing, and I don't know. It's just it's a really awesome awesome thing. Yeah. Plus, it's plus I think it feels a lot more organic to kind of support an author who is going for like a business model like the way you are, which is giving it away for free and doing it for the art rather than doing it to make money or to sell, you know, to for some numbers. Which I think we've kind of we're starting we've lost track of a lot with uh, any kind of entertainment, which is it becomes about numbers and money instead of it being about the art. But then you feel it. I mean, haven't you gone to these movies where you're like, this was a waste of my, you know, money and time? And mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter what kind of special effects there are or costumes, if the story is not there, you won't forgive it as a viewer. And you know, it doesn't doesn't help. Money doesn't help that way. It's only when you do it not for money when it can really take off let's get into just a, a couple fun questions i guess that i don't know sure. yeah that might kind of help us base you know sort of what your personality is like um what's your favorite movie <laughs> oh fight club oh, that's, nice. a, that's a good one man that's pretty killer oh and i have a girly favorite too uh what's that the Go notebook no <laughs> <laughs> Amelie is good, yeah. I've never seen that one. I do know what the cover looks like, though, but oh, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, it's awesome. We'll have to check it out. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, okay, what kind of music do you listen to? Um, Bjork, Radiohead, um, Sigur Ross. You know, my recent discovery is Takenobu. He's, uh, he's actually followed me on Twitter, and oh, I followed wow. him back. I'm like, dude, that's I'm awesome. writing my novel to your music. Oh, that's super <laughs> cool. Success. Yeah. Well, what about, do you have any advice for any new writers who might be coming up who are deci- thinking about doing what you're doing? Sure. Yeah, it's, um, you know, forget about all the rules of anything anybody ever told you and just write what you feel. Because if it feels fake, then the reader will feel it. You can fake pretty much anything else on top of it, but unless you're willing to write down the real emotion, like how you really, really, really feel... Might as well not write. If you could pick a famous person to meet, living or dead, who would it be? Oh my god, J.K. Rowling, of course! <laughs> I have not read a Harry Potter book. Stephen King, I think he'll, he'll, he'll look at me like this, with his look, you know, and, and, and I'll just die on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure he, I'm sure he has that power, too, just by looking at people. That is scary. <laughs> there's, there's something going on with that dude. Oh, we also... Uh, we saw the video too. I guess you're you're into Vampire Weekend. We saw the video of you dancing after you finished the oh, Siren Suicides. Yes, yes, well, that was just this particular song. Um, I listened to Pandora, you know, to the radio, and they have Vampire Weekend in there, in and there, occasionally. And I just love that song. It was just 
I looked at the video, you know, this whole celebration thing, and um, I was tweeting about, you know, siren suicides, and it took me a whole year to write. And people were like, come on, you know, um, you got to do something. And then um, Hugh Howie, the sci-fi author of Wool, this new self-published success, he, I sort of asked him for advice here and there. Um, so he's kind of like, you know, sometimes like a sounding board. And I follow what he does on Facebook, and he said to his fans that if his book is going to be um, in the top 10 of bestsellers, that he will do a dance, and then he was. And so I saw a video of him doing, um, what's it called? Is it Xbox or Kinect or some other thing? Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at the, yeah, so he did that. He was like in slippers and, you know, doing silly moves and stuff. So I mentioned it on Twitter. I'm like, come on, people, look at this. This is funny. And somebody said, yes. You should do it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll do it. And then I forgot about it. Then I finished the book, and then one of my followers said, hey, you promised. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I did it, and it's been crazy. People liked it. You made good with the promise. Yeah, well, my readers rule. So uh, when do you know when you might expect Rosehead to be coming out, or...? Is that still a tentative? Um, well, the first draft is going to be done in the next three weeks. I honestly don't know if it's going to take me as many drafts as Siren Suicides took because um, I was still unsure of myself and very scared with Siren Suicides. This one is flows easier, and I'm not as scared, so probably three drafts. Um, but I would think probably by the end of the year, you know, by November, December, because at this point... It's going to be, what, July, August? Um, I'm also thinking maybe of going on the book tour because a lot of people want to meet. And um, they're all over the place. And I said, well, I have no money, but I have a donate button. You know, if you guys donate enough money for me, I'll crash on your couch because I have no money for hotels either. People are like, sure. I said, well, and you better clean your house because I'm going to blog about you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'll do that um, as a break from Rosehead. And I'll call back and start working on it again so i'm thinking hopefully um by the end we're gonna look forward to that yeah Um, really if you ever come to st louis you gotta hit us up wow you have a clean couch uh yeah i think i think we could i think we could throw some of the blankets off of it it's fairly clean yeah yeah it doesn't have any cat hairs on it no um my dog doesn't shed either but if so i mean we can we can just brush it off I'm fine. I mean, I can sleep on the doormat, too. You know, I'm really low maintenance. <laughs> awesome. Good. <laughs> all right. Cookies. All right. We'll have a fresh plate of cookies for you, we definitely. Can, we can do that. Good. Okay. Cookies and the doormat is all I need. I'm happy. <laughs> cool. And then, uh, so, let's see. For your Twitter, it looks like you are uh, at Ksenia Onski. Ksenia yep. Onski. Mm-hmm. And that's all one word. Um Look her up there. And then uh, what's your website? It's ksenianski.com. There you go. That sounds about right. That's uh, that's got to be one of the best things about having sort of an unusual name. All the URLs, all the ads are all there. Well, I made up my last name, actually, because I've been married twice and divorced twice. So I was like, I want my own name. And it's a jumble out of, if you look at my first name, it's the letters from my first name jumbled up. My goodness. Wow. Yeah, I see it now. Yeah, I just dropped the eye. You lost the eye. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. That's awesome. So, yeah, we'll definitely look forward to checking out your new books. Um, 
strongly urge any of the listeners to go and and download and uh, donate. It's for a good cause. You're you're living you're living the life. Yeah, and email me. Sorry, don't be mad at me. I'm updating my site, but I'm a little slow. So just email me with anything about anything, and I'll get back usually, you know, within a day. What are your guys' Twitter? You know, so I can, like, shout out and say, these cool people just interviewed me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're at Ty and Rocky K. Yeah, sorry we didn't get uh, any visuals up on us on our end anyway. It's, I'm not sure what it's doing. You, you're sitting there in pajamas. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. That's why you're hiding. I'm in pajamas. Rocky kind of stripped free yeah. and a I'm, while ago. I'm sitting on the chair upside down, too. It's strange. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's odd. oh, yeah. I, I'm not sure I'm interested in that view. It's probably a good <laughs> thing that you didn't have any. His pajamas are pink. He's Mine, not... I mean, they're more like a fuchsia. But they are frilly. They have... Oh, they have frilly. Their, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. See? That's... I don't know. I'm... This, you know enough images for me that <laughs> two guys one is i don't know why he's wearing another one in frilly pink pajamas i'll mm-hmm. have nightmares yeah see you you write awesome books we try to paint visuals that's kind of <laughs> what we do and, so. and, and this is what you do you don't get you know don't let me to see you great guys good job that's right now your imagination can run free and you can write maybe a novel about us oh yeah that'd be cool sure <laughs> i'll make sure i'll include a character in the was a guy in a frilly pink pajama. Alright, cool. Look at that. Daniel immortalized Just me. like that. <laughs> she came up with a character just like that, man. Oh, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the time. Sure. Thank you guys for, you know, interviewing me and stuff. Yeah. Oh, no problem. It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, keep in touch. Will do. Alright. If there's any link to this stuff we did, email me, let me know. Oh, well, yeah, we will. Everywhere. All right, we will definitely send you a link as soon as we put it up. Okay, it was All nice right. chatting with you guys. All right, All you right. too. All right, Ty. There she was, folks, straight from Seattle. Yeah. So, um, great interview. We've we've gone over a little bit of time. Why don't we take a little break? Take a little break. That sounds pretty good. Regroup. I'm sure we can find some uh, commercials we can play. And, yeah. and we'll be back right after these commercial type thingies on late night CSP. Every morning when I wake up, I wash my hands. Then I have some food, and then I wash my hands. Then I take a shower, wash my hands, and then wash my hands. And then Mommy tells me my hands are clean. Then I wash and wash and wash my hands. Then I touch a football, and I wash and wash and wash and wash. And I watch my sister washing her hands, and I get an idea to wash my hands. And I wash and wash and wash, but I never get clean. The shame never seems to scrub off. What makes America America? Is it our ethnic heritage, our glorious human tapestry? Is it our religious heritage of spiritual freedom, our political heritage, democracy itself? No, it's our television heritage, preserved every night on Nick at Night. The richest and most rewarding heritage a man can have. These shows have made Americans what we are and will determine what we shall become. Nick at Night is preserving our precious television heritage. All right, Ty. Here we go. We're back with segment three after a pretty awesome segment two. I would agree. Um, late night CSP. Late night CSP, guys. We just got done with uh, interviewing Ksenianski. Mm-hmm. Ty, I got to tell you, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is just the ability to meet new people, make new friends, man. 
That is super cool, right? Like, I don't know how else you could... How else could you sit down and have a conversation with an author on the other side of the country and just shoot the shit and, I don't know, learn, learn about her and how she works and it's badass. You can't do it. Like, you just can't be like, will you just call and talk to me for a half hour? I just kind of want to know, like, what you're into. No, right? It wouldn't, it just wouldn't happen. She's like, she'd be like, what's your angle? Like, what, mm-hmm. what do you mean? No. So basically, we hide behind this podcast, just getting to meet new people. We do. That's pretty much that's, how we do it. We're like, well, I guess we could just do a podcast. Might as well. Yeah, dude. So yeah, and not gonna lie, Rocky, I was feeling some uh, some flutters. I could tell. I could tell you were. Yeah, I mean, one, she's beautiful. Is she's you? she's a writer. She has a crazy imagination. She likes awesome books. She likes awesome movies. She likes awesome music. Pretty much fell. She's your dream girl, Ty. I might have fallen then. And she is not only just awesome books, but she's really into Harry Potter, just like you. I know, right? Yeah. It's just icing on the cake from there, really. Yep. So yeah, check her out, guys. Sounds like she's got some awesome stuff going on. Um, some of the the plots she was telling us sounded almost like it was like straight out of like a Guillermo del Toro movie. Just some creepy, like a uh, fairy tale fantasy thing. Going on. And she said that she's already been approached by screenwriters and even like a guy making a game. I guess like a video That's cool, game. Man. Yeah. I can see though why she said that the guy that was making the game he kinda lost interest because mm-hmm. with what she was talking about, you can you can use her work as long as it's not for commercial use. I don't think yeah. this guy was probably making a game for his enjoyment at home. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure though if somebody came up to her and was like, Hey, I'd like to buy you know, the rights to make this a movie. I'm sure she might work with them or something. Yeah. It's just anybody can just freely take whatever they want and do whatever with her work as long as it's not for commercial use. And I'm not so. sure if, if you're aware of this or not, but whenever we upload this podcast, mm-hmm. we are also under the same Creative Commons. Oh, really? We get to uh, pick our Creative Commons. That's cool. And yeah. All right. So we are under the same one, so... That's excellent. So feel free to... Uh, do whatever you want with our podcast, guys. I mean, really, let's be honest. I think the only thing that they would do with our podcast is probably parody it. Probably. Maybe take our voices and make us say really, like, funny, maybe dirty things mm-hmm. to each other. I think maybe some people would get off on that. They might get off on that. I'd be Actually, I want to hear that. I want to hear somebody do that. Anybody that, that parodies our podcast, we urge you to please send it to CompleteSentencesPod at gmail.com. That's right. Let us know. We'll play it on the show. Yeah. Um, I just want to hear it, really. <laughs> I know, exactly. Plus, I want to hear myself saying dirty things to you without having to say those dirty things. Because if you say it, then it's kind of like gay. It's kind of like weird. Then it's gay. Yeah. But if somebody else does it, then it just is just like a, it's just like a revelation of mm-hmm. what's already inside. Mm-hmm. It so. doesn't mean that you mean it any less. No, no. No, absolutely not. Not at all. But, you but just... it also doesn't necessarily mean that I mean it, so I get to be kind of vague about it. That's true. So yeah. Also uh send it to our Facebook, Facebook.com backslash complete sentences podcast. Mm-hmm. So we got that Facebook, we got complete sentences podcast dot wordpress dot com. It's complete sentences pod. God damn it, I never can get it. No, that's alright, man. Don't get discouraged. <sighs> I am discouraged. No, we'll get it. Alright, we'll get it. Hopefully we'll be able to drop the WordPress soon enough. Oh yeah, yeah. That WordPress is a thorn in my side. That's right, buddy. Sick of working for the man. I know, man. 
What if WordPress goes down? Then what happens? I don't know. I mean, even if we, even if we get CompleteCensusPod.com, it's still going to be a WordPress. That's true. That's a good point. Like a WordPress blueprint site. That's true. What if the internet goes down? If the internet goes down, I think it means it's probably end times. Yeah, that's true. At this point, that's true. Yeah. So. So what's new with you, man? We didn't even we got we did the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like even the first segment was we'll just call it the pre-interview segment. We yeah. were kind of gearing up. I mean, what's up with you? What's up with me, man? I don't know. I mean, we've already talked about me uh, g- going to Germany here soon, so it's getting uh, it's getting kind of closeish. I got like a little over three weeks now, man. Mm-hmm. That's kind of scary to think about. We're in uh, what is it? The first day of now officially of June, um, and I'll probably be out of here like the 25th or so yeah. of June. I hope to at least get maybe two more episodes, maybe. Yeah, definitely, we can do that. I'd like to plan one that's close to the time you're leaving, we can have like a goodbye episode. That'd be nice. Yeah, like really sad. Every reunion, we can have old buddies come in. Mm-hmm. Have old buddies from like episode two or three. Did we have, when, did, when was our first guest? Episode four. Episode four? Kenny Mini Killer. Dang, man. Going way back. Yep. I think for the final episode, we should, like, go into the old apartment that we were at, like, find out who's living there now, and just ask if we could record in that old studio room. I think that's kind of like, that would give me closure. Yeah, I think you're right. You know what I mean? Start it there, end it there. Good. It's it's a complete um, stranger's apartment now. Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe they wouldn't mind. I don't think they would mind. I'll just tell them this means a lot to us, guys. Yeah. And then if you want, you can just sit in on it. You can be our guest also. And I would like to also add, this is not an end to the podcast. Mm -hmm. It is just sort of an end to the podcast as we know it. Yeah. Um, You're still going to do some Skyping in? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. We can't. Yeah, dude. And you're going to have some good stories to tell, I'm sure. That's right. I'll be on location in old Germany, mm-hmm. in old Deutschland. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Just letting you know what's going on over there on the other side of the world, or maybe like a quarter of the way around the world. I don't think it's quite the other side. So we will have a new CSP headquarters. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Late Blue. night CSP. Here we are. We're back again. I watched a good movie the other day um, on Netflix, of course, because mm-hmm. we are obligated to mention Netflix. We do. We have to at least mention them once every mm-hmm. episode. So it was on Netflix, Friends with Kids. Have you seen that? It's uh, it's these two friends who have been friends for the longest time who live in New York. They're kind of like young professionals. Um, friends for the longest time, but they never dated or anything. And they kind of see... They have other friends who have all gotten married um, and had kids... And they can kind of just see, like, the shittiness that their lives have become. Or, the like, they used to be this amazing couple, and now they're just, like, bogged down by these kids and by this relationship. And it's all just grim, and so they, like, have no desire to be married or with people. But they kind of both want kids, so they're like, well, let's just have kid a kid together. And uh, then we can just be friends and not have to deal with any of the relationship stuff. So, it was actually really good. Um... See, it was Adam Scott, Maya Rudolph was in it. Um, I forgot who the lead girl was, but it was actually like a really pleasant movie and kind of an honest look at relationships, what they are, so. Yeah, I recommend. Okay, cool, I'll have to check that out. And like I said, during the break, this was even, this is some 
this is some behind the scenes talk, but mm-hmm. I recommended that you watch the Paperboy. That's right. I've heard this is like one of the I've probably heard this recommendation a few times already. So. Yeah. And I mean, for people that are scared to watch it because it's got Zac Efron on the cover, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I was kind of like, you know, I don't really have to watch that. Yeah. But I, I turned it on one day while I was doing other things. I was doing like my ironing and I mm-hmm. was uh, sweeping and vacuuming and you know all my manly duties. You're ironing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Folding the uh, kids' clothes. I like it. I have kids now. So. You have children just, now? Just whenever I'm ironing. Yeah. That's whenever I have kids. <laughs> Color coordinating your sock drawer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, dude. Um, but anyways, I was kind of watching it, kind of focused on other things, but it really caught my attention, mm-hmm. and I ended up watching the entire movie, and I enjoyed it. Really. What's the uh, gist of it? Oh, man. Well, also, Macy Gray is in it, too. I didn't really? mention that. But she she plays, um, she plays like, the, the housemaid, I guess, for Zac Efron's family. They run a newspaper business. Mm-hmm. And she's basically telling the entire story from, like, a witness mm-hmm. standpoint. So, obviously, something Uh-oh. fucked up happened. Uh-oh. Yeah. And... Uh, Zach Efron's brother is played by Matthew McConaughey, and they come down back home to take over the newspaper business because they're writing a story about John Cusack, mm-hmm. who went to prison for some terrible reason that I won't get into. You'll have to watch to find that out. But, okay. Um, he's a terrible person, and they're writing a story about um, him being locked up unjustly, mm-hmm. and... Um, Nicole Kidman plays the girlfriend, and Zac Efron sort of falls in love with John Cusack's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. and it kind of spirals out of control from there. Of course. A lot of twists and turns, man. Mm -hmm. It is a great, great watch. It's a a drama, it's a thriller, it's uh, it's got it all, Tyler. I'm into that. So, highly recommend it. And it's like a uh, it's like a dirty gritty like uh, down south type of movie. It takes place in the sixties. Really, yeah. I dig that. A lot of scenes happen it where I was like, "Holy shit! Like mm. this is nuts." A lot of really, really fucked up shit. A lot of situations I've never thought I would see Nicole Kidman in, and a mm. really crazy situation I never thought I would see Matthew McConaughey in. Mm. Okay, he had his shirt off. So. He did? Yeah. When does he not have a shirt off? <laughs> That's his thing. That's just what he does. Are you serious? I want to chill with Matthew McConaughey. I think it would be easier to chill with him now because he's not sort of like that heartthrob that he was back in the day. He's kind of like, you know, I think nowadays the the girls are kind of looking past Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. They probably still get excited whenever they hear that name. That's true. Yeah, yeah, But he's an older dude now and I think he's probably, you know, just more laid back. I know, man. Did you see Magic Mike? Well, yeah, but... No, oh, no, I haven't. What am I saying? Oh, no, no, of course not. <laughs> I've seen the cover. <laughs> he had it going on, dude. He had it going on to Magic Mike. Did he? Not saying I would, but I would. Oh, okay. No, All I'm right. Saying. I feel you, man. But, yeah. They'll make a parody of this clip right now. They could, and probably. Then, yeah. <laughs> actually make it sound okay. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great watch. All right. Had a, check that one out also. had a black Englishman in it as well. Did it? Yeah. It's always I a, like that. Kind of a cool thing. Do you think you're going to like get maybe like kind of an accent? I think I will cuz I think um I don't know about accent as much as much as uh picking up phrases and picking up words that they say over there cuz I think I do that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Like if I decide to start saying something a certain way, um 
feel like I do that pretty easily. Or I pick up on other people's dialects or accents or just the different phrases that I'm like, that's kind of a neat way to say it. And I don't know, because one thing I love, I love language and the different uses of it that there can be. So sometimes I'll be like, I'm just kind of bored of saying this this way, so I'm going to start saying it this way. And so, yeah, I think I probably will have some sort of a difference in the way I speak. Language is pretty interesting. Just even, like, people from, people from, like, the East Coast. Like, how did, I just don't understand, like, you know, yeah, just right. how they develop these different ways of speaking. You mm. know, like, uh, you know, like, oh, pack the cat. Yeah. Like, pack the cat in the garage. It's not, and it's so strong, too. Yeah. Like, it's like, you're in a big city, we have television, we have internet, and you're still, like, what, how exactly do you, do people still end up with that accent or whatever, but. Huh? I don't know, man. Well, you're and you're really you're a really well spoken individual, you know. And was there ever a point in your life being a man of color? Yeah. Was there ever a point in your life where you had maybe like an inner an inner monologue battle, like maybe at a younger age, where you thought well, maybe one day you have to start using the word X? X. Yeah. I was kind of, I've always been kind of curious to ask you that. Like, yeah, yeah. Did you have that like where like I'm just gonna I gotta I'm gonna start saying X. No, um, no, I don't think so. I think I've always, and like, I always had a lot of encouragement from my folks and from family, which was the to encouragement. To not say X. To not say X. <laughs> like, They'd no. put you in the corner when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just to be me and to be who I was and not try to be anything else. So, I mean, I kind of just always accepted the way I was or how I was different or anything. Um, one thing I do notice, though, is I was raised around enough black folks, you know, just visiting other family and stuff, that if I'm around other black people, like, I'll start to adopt that kind of, the way they talk or a little bit. Um, can you give me an example? I want to hear an example of, of some of the way that you black it up. Like, are you like, oh, yeah, child? Do you, like, kind of get no, the No, I mean, I'll just start, like, throwing, <laughs> it sounds super douchey, but... Like, I'll just start throwing shit out, like, off the chain or something like that. Not, chain. not like, not like, yeah, just be like, that's off the chain, yeah. Or like, or like, that's what's up. That's what's oh, up yeah. right there. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, but yeah, it just comes kind of naturally because I've been around in those, in those environments enough, and I don't think it's, like, me faking it or me acting like I'm somebody else, I don't think. I think it's just me kind of acclimating to that sort of, uh, you know, to that environment more. Yeah. I, I've always been interested in that that type of thing. I mean, I guess it also has a lot to do with the the, the your friends, the people that you spend a lot of time mm -hmm. with. You know. Yeah, and I wasn't raised around. I wasn't raised around that many black people. Really, I was raised. I mean, I was raised around a lot of Mexicans, but other than that, um, yeah, it was Arizona. My parents had uh, divorced, so I was mostly raised in Arizona while my while my dad went back to Texas and then to Germany. So, um, yeah, I guess I just wasn't raised in that culture. Nothing wrong with it. Mm -mm. Nothing wrong with that culture. I just always, <laughs> I just always kind of wondered, you know, it's about the X thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know, where did that, where did that start? And it's yeah, like, right. you know, I, I heard, I heard like a coworker use it too. And I just, every time I hear that, I just want to, like, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not trying to offend anybody or judge anybody. It's mm -hmm. not about that, but just from. I just have a tendency to get a little too curious about things. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be like, I, fine. I just want to be like, you know, why do you use the word X? And mm -hmm. do, do you have to sometimes, do you sometimes forget that like you say the word X and accidentally say ask? Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. It's just kind of those, one of those funny words. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... I don't know. It's just a dialect like any other, though, really. Other than... Other than the only different thing about it is it's spread out through people groups throughout the whole country rather than it be relegated to kind of uh, certain areas or something. But it's not really much different than it being a different dialect. Like, you'll hear somebody down in the South say something in a way that, like, it isn't said anywhere else or it's some sort of, like, shortening of it or something. Um, and with any region. Y'all or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a cool show now on... Is it on the History Channel or A&E? forgot his name but he kind of goes around and goes to different areas of the country where there's like different dialects and different accents and he kind of breaks down where like how they say things but he also breaks down where phrases come from and where they originate from which is pretty cool that's pretty interesting I forgot what show it is it's on it's on any or history or something but you're right it is it is just like a dialect really same way. I love using an East Coast voice. I do it mm-hmm. sometimes whenever I'm by myself looking in the do mirror. You? I just say East Coast words. Yeah. Like, uh, give me a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, where else do you hear that? I dig it, man. Yeah, man. Everybody talks to themselves while they're alone. I do it all the time. Yeah, man. Well, it's we nice. get to sit here and just talk to ourselves, basically. Yeah. That's true. I mean, who knows if anybody's listening out there? Who knows, man? This could just be you drifting off into space. Nothingness. Into absolute nothingness, into a void. Right. But isn't that kind of creepy to think, like, in a few hundred years, somebody could probably find these files and listen to us? What if our what if our podcast somehow is, like, the only thing that survives, <laughs> like, through the end of humanity, and then an, an extremely advanced alien race, like, thousands of years in the future, somehow finds our podcast, one file of our podcast... And what they have to base our entire species on is what is our podcast. I think they would probably worship um, Waffle Crisp or another type of uh, obsolete cereal. They probably would, right? Um, yeah, they would. Uh, they would also worship old Nickelodeon shows. That's right. Uh, Stephen King. They would worship everything that is good. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we think oh. everything we like is good. Please, so. they would drink the the finest beers. Oh, only craft beers, folks. Oh man. Yeah. Well, well, let me ask you this since we're on the topic. Is there anything that you can think of um, that you ever have regretted laying down on tape, so to speak, that <sighs> if someone thousands of years from now heard it, is there anything that you kind of regret that you've said? Right. That is a heavy thunderclap. We're there still is some more thunder, folks. We still have the storm going, by the way, too. That's, That's uh, right. I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. Oh, it's still here, guys. I don't know. I don't think there is anything that I've said uh, that I regret saying. Other than there was one time I... Uh, Let's do it. Here we go. There, It wasn't... This is not something I'll regret in like a million years. This is I'll regret because this one person that I was talking about heard it. Oh, no. Which is I said something about... I, won't, I don't want to say it again. But I basically <laughs> called someone on the podcast. Um, what was it? <laughs> A goofy Cooper? <laughs> a goofy Cooper. No, it was, it was like, insecure or uh, conceited. That's what it was. And self-centered. I called somebody out on that. Oh, snap. And that person listened. <laughs> oh, snap. How did that so, conversation go? It was actually pretty okay. I just, yeah, it was okay. It turned out w- better than it should have. So <laughs> We're going to have to do the thing where you tell me off air. Yeah, we're going to have to do that. I'll tell yeah. you off air. But, yeah, basically I called someone conceited. And wow. she listened. She, yeah. man, I'm trying to wonder. 
Man, that's funny. That's the only thing that uh, has bit me in the ass so far. You have anything? I've been bitten in the ass. Have you? Yeah. On this, on, by this show? Well, not so much like as you just described it. Yeah, yeah. But like, it was. Uh, well, it was from our last show, Ty. Whoa. Yeah. I regret that I did not. Um, that I did not know the proper use of catheters. Uh. Oh, <laughs> I just re-listened to that did the you? other day. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. It is. Now you didn't come off as as dumb as you might think you might have sounded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna listen back to this podcast and then I'm gonna pull you aside and have a conversation oh, with you about what you just said. No, no <laughs> you didn't. It didn't. Say, it really didn't sound that bad because I listened back to it and I was like, oh, that's not bad. Because it was for the sake of comedy. It was, and it, it was a funny bit. So screw it. I was playing the straight man, Ty. That's what it was. It's that's me. It was an act. I was playing the straight man. It worked out then. But yeah. No, I can't really think of anything either. I I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And we've we've kind of uh we've kind of wanted from the beginning this podcast to be something where we just speak our minds. Mm-hmm. We don't have any filters whatsoever. Yeah. We just try to use basic common sense. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, I feel safe just like yeah, saying right. whatever I want. And I know that people are listening. I know that people that are in our personal lives listen to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of pride ourselves on an open forum. Yeah, it is, man. And that reminds me, real quick, dude. I can't believe I waited until this very last moment. Mm-hmm. I can probably do about three minutes on this, at so least. Far. It's, I'm going to sound like such a dick, like, saying this. Mm-hmm. But do you think that, like, there are too many handicapped Parking spots, places. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you mean. There's like a ton of them, and they're hardly ever filled. I know. But they take up like all the best spots. I know. Yeah. And this really, okay, it's it's something that I've always noticed, but I really think it went too far the other day. Like, I was, I was going to West County Mall, which is a beautiful facility if it you're is. into shopping centers. Yes. And... They're, it seems like they're always doing reconstruction on the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I was going under the garage to park my car, and they're doing construction there, so it's kind of a clusterfuck right now. Yeah. But right in the middle of the parking garage, in the direct middle, mm-hmm. there's a handicap spot in the middle of the parking garage. Really? And it's like, come on, like this is going too far. Just in the center? In the center, yeah, it's like it's not even going to make it any easier for the, mm-hmm. the handicapped person to make it in the store. Like, we're forgetting the reason for handicapped spots. Maybe it's for handicapped people who are doing, like, physical therapy. You think? So they get to walk, and their physical therapy is walking to the doors. <laughs> wow. If I think, I think we have enough handicapped spots in the world. Yeah. And if, if anything, I think that maybe... Here's a, here's a fix right now. We're trying to create more jobs. Get a person to just stand there, and if a handicapped person can't park right next to the fucking door, yeah, they will go assist them. We'll do it. We'll go out there and get you. Yeah, just stand there. If you need help, we will be here to help you. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, can... you have your choice of about twelve different parking spots. You know what I'm because saying? Because none of them are taken. Yeah, I think that I bet though that the businesses are probably terrified because there's going to be one day a year or something like. Like Memorial Day when there's all these broken down like vets and wheelchairs, and there's not going to be enough spaces like that one or two days out of the year, 
and then they're going to raise hell, or somebody's going to try to sue them or something. Be like, you didn't accommodate handicapped people. Yeah, well, maybe. But that's if, what handicapped people sound like. They got that action. We're <laughs> handicapped. We're proud. That's a dialect, actually. Handicapped mm-hmm. dialect. Um, if everybody went in on it, I think we could pull it off. I think so. Um, if we would just be more commonsensical and just be like, shut up, stupid. Yeah, and We're it's... We're not gonna do this shit anymore. And this is a way of, like, getting out of just how politically correct everything has to be to the nth degree. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, I would love that if we started doing that more. To just be able to tell people, like, okay, so what? Big yeah, deal. Deal with this it. This is what we do here. If you mm-hmm. don't like it, then leave. Yeah. Yeah, we need... I think we need a little more of that, especially with businesses and... um one thing I noticed, like, in retail and stuff is the, that whole, like, customer is always right mentality, which I get it. Like, you want to make your customers happy, good customer service, but then it comes to the point where, um, I don't know, just the dumbest, stupidest, like, now, like, it seems like you, if you're, ang- uh, if you want to get, like, anything, you can just get whatever you want if you make enough noise by going into some place. Make enough noise and you're going to get whatever you want. It's true. I'm guilty of that myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because we see it happen, we see how it works. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go and I buy a limp and I buy a warranty on my PS3 and the thing shits out on me, and Best Buy refuses to give me one off the shelf, they want to give me a refurbished one. I just keep saying, "Let me talk to your manager." Just let me hit him up. And then that manager, manager comes out and he doesn't want to give me. Let me talk to your manager. Mm-hmm. And I'll just keep going up the chain until somebody's gonna give me a new PS3. Go it. It's gonna happen, folks. Exactly. So, yeah, I feel you. I mean, there's different things. Though. There's common sense, and then there's. There's what's right, and then there's what's right. That's true. Yeah. And I think we've kind of, we're past the age of handicapped spot. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning everyone should have bionic legs and by now. I'm sorry, but I would say probably 50, at, at least half, I think, abuse that, that privilege. Yeah. I it's wonder abused. about that all the time. Just seeing people stroll up into, the, into a store, and you're just like, didn't you just park mm-hmm. in... I know two people from my life. Yeah. So, that in in my lifetime. Yeah. So that's what we got, I guess, man. It's been oh, a yeah, it's man. been a beautiful episode, jam packed. It has. We survived tornadoes. Um we interviewed a wonderful, magical author. She was magical. She was pretty magical. That was a great interview. We've um we've talked about different dialects of the world. That's right. We've drank countless beers. Mm-hmm. We offended races. Races. And handicapped people. <laughs> people with disabilities. <laughs> Man, we've covered all all angles. Yeah, really. But You know what? I think we've kind of reminded people that listen to the show why they listen. That's right. You know what I mean? Sometimes we've got to bring it back to the roots, though. Yeah, and that's what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we did. So. Um, Ty, before you leave, dude, we're going to make it to episode 40. That's right, we're going to hit that 4 dude. Man, who saw that coming? I know, right? I got some plans for that last episode. we got to make that happen. Yeah, we're going to have to do something, for sure. You know, I like I like that storybook ending. So we're going we're gonna to make a storybook ending happen. Yeah, let's do it. Let's just... I think we're probably just going to end up getting super drunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I have a, uh, we have a vintage barley wine that we keep oh, in the cellar right. here. 2008 vintage. 2008. Yeah, dude. Dang. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like a fine wine. From last decade. So we got that to look forward to, people. Um, onward and upward. Yeah. 
So I guess uh, signing off uh, from Late Night CSP. That's right. I'm Rocky. And I'm Ty. And you guys <laughs> have an excellent night. Have a great night, yeah. <laughs>